Hello, my name is Adam Eason. Welcome to episode 58 of Hypnosis Weekly. Hypnosis friends and a very warm welcome to Hypnosis Weekly Podcast. Once again, in my own highly biased opinion, I think I have a keynote standing ovation of a show lined up for you today. Yes, indeed, it was the UK Hypnosis Convention this weekend just gone, and uh, my good friend Anthony Jackwin pulled my leg a little bit, stating that he thought it was funny that my catchphrase had become, Hello! And I discussed this with a number of people and considered offering up a new introduction with a sober hi. Welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. But I like the big hello. It's here to stay. Though I may have some fun with the intro at some stage in the future. We'll see about that. Now then, in a short while, I'll be sharing with you an interview with my guest, Annalise Kirk. Then I'll be looking at the hypnosis in the news stories, examining the media where hypnosis has featured. I'm going to offer up some personal subjective commentary about the ways hypnosis is portrayed in the media and also comment upon the content of some of those media stories. We'll then return with our professional discussion with my guest Annalise Kirk. We'll be talking about her Hypnosize program that's a very popular event in Basingstoke and soon to be around the UK. We'll round things off with this week's evidence-based hypnosis factoid before I bid you farewell for another week. As I said at the beginning of every Hypnosis Weekly episode, this podcast is something that I want to encompass a feeling of embracing diversity, celebrating the field of hypnosis and encouraging friendly, professional, enjoyable discussion and debate, as well as doing its best to inform and educate. I do not share the same stance as most of our guests and at times have major differences in approach and leaning, but all are in incredibly lovely people who I'd happily talk with until late in the pub and all of whom following their time here on Hypnosis Weekly I have a great deal of respect for. If you have questions, queries, thoughts or feedback do get in touch via the Hypnosis Weekly website or the references made in the discussions along with related links are posted at each episode on the www.hypnosis-weekly.com website. You can add your thoughts comments, make any suggestions there too. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else to help us reach more of the hypnosis community. It's greatly appreciated. If you enjoy this podcast, then please do go and give us a favourable rating, even a review at iTunes. I'll be your BFF if you do. So first of all, today is this week's interview. Never before uh, on this particular show has I, have I been referred to as that ginger guy I went to school with. But today that happens because, yes, indeed, I went to the same school as my guest Annalise Kirk. Being aware of me, she opted to train with my college a number of years ago and today has a thriving hypnotherapy clinic to be proud of. She's incredibly humble, outstandingly honest, candid and frank in this interview and definitely does not offer up her ego for a shining here. Instead, she is sincere and very real. She has built an impressive provincial reputation and is about to advance her business far beyond that, as you'll hear later on. For now, get comfy, my friends. Turn up the volume. Sip on your tea. Enjoy this week's interview. (music) 
So, as I've just been discussing, I'm delighted to be joined this week by the one and only Annalise Kirk. Annalise, welcome to Hypnosis Weekly. Hi there, thank you for inviting me onto your podcast. So, let's learn a little bit about you, first of all. Tell us a little bit about how you got into this field, what your background is, and, and how you arrived at where you are now. Um, well, at A-level, I did psychology, and I kind of thought that would be the way to go, but I didn't really enjoy it, and so I drifted into running a pub, and then um, thought I'd go into law, so I applied for a job, but I didn't have law in the heading, so I just applied for it, and I got it. Um, I did that for 18 years, and I always remember thinking that I would do that until I decided what I wanted to do, and that's quite clear in my head, and it comes back to haunt me quite regularly, because I spent you know, probably about 18 years altogether in that job, and, you know, it, it did just find me with, you know, you know, help me get, you know, a nice house and cars and holidays and things, but, you know, it was, I basically prepared legal bills for solicitors, so, um, towards the end, it was costing a lot of bars, um, a children who had taken into care, and so it was a pretty, pretty depressing kind of job to do, and also the government decided to interfere and uh, change a lot of the ways that it was, it was, and it just made things super complicated. Um, but kind of before that, I'd already sort of knew I wanted to do something else. I just didn't know what. Yeah. Um, so Gary and I, from Gary being my other half, um, watched a trailer for a program called The Life Takes Less Ordinary. And for those of you out there who don't know the Speakman, they're, they're quite famous now, but they they weren't then. But the really only reason that I wanted to watch it was because I thought it would be really funny because they just seemed really off the wall and a bit kooky and I just it was entertainment was the, the, the whole reason that I watched it but um having actually watched them I actually think I quite like them in their kooky kind of way and um once you kind of peeled back the, the sort of the, the more sort of unusual sort of ways that they kind of go about their lives and, and actually just get down to the nitty gritty of what they did. I really loved it and I just remember yeah. thinking I would so love to be able to do that for a living. I just, you know, what an amazing, you know, way to, to, to sort of get up in the morning and be able to help people, you know, get over things like addictions or anxiety, you know, anything, you know, achieve weight management. Um, so I actually signed up for a life coaching course because of the, the title of the uh, programme didn't actually turn out to be what I thought it was. So um, kind of realised that it was more a lot of hypnotherapy and NLP. So uh, did a bit of research and this ginger kid from my school ran a hypnosis school down in, in Bournemouth. So I thought, yes. oh, is that a crack? <laughs> yes, I've I've heard of him. Um, um, very, very good. I mean a very wise decision you made there. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's it's it was probably the best decision I made. I was fortunate enough to have a little bit of you know, money that somebody had left me in a will. So, and I just think, you know, science that's just a really fantastic legacy that that money has gone towards helping lots of other people. So, yeah, you know, and it's, you know, hard work, you know, and, you know, I think when you go to work for yourself, you know, maybe there is a bit of fluffiness about it and you think that it's going to be lovely, but, it, you know, it's hard work, but, you know, you, once you, you know, you kind of achieve that level of, commitment and you actually accept that you know it's not necessarily going to be easy but if it's what you really want then you'll you'll probably you know you're more likely to achieve that so um yeah quite lucky in that my going back to my previous job because of the way that the government 
had changed things with it. Actually, my previous employee, the, the amount of work coming in lowered, so I was actually able to negotiate reduced hours, which helped the transition to me a lot easier. So I could still, um, I think before I handed my notice in and sat to my boss, I actually was um, doing, uh, I had three afternoons of a week, so effectively I was doing hypnotherapy in that time. So, Great. Uh, Great. Um, 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 I, I love the fact that, you know, you, you had this in your mind and you went for it. And, you know, that even though there were some some sacrifices, I like the idea that, you know, doing what you do is, is reward in and of itself. And um, it's something that I've spoken to very often about with with some of our previous guests, this idea that actually, you know, it's it's sometimes it's it's worth a fair bit in and of itself to just be doing something that we love and to be you know commander of our own ship and so on um so i love to hear that so let's let's talk hypnosis a little bit then um, um tell me you know how do you define a, hip, a hypnosis and, and how did you arrive at that definition you know and and perhaps give us some kind of an idea of how you explain hypnosis to your clients and other people um. I think it's quite interesting, actually, that there are so many, as you well know, different definitions of hypnosis out there. And I've always been really quite practical and straightforward. I'm not one for, you know, using huge long words when I can use a small word, um, just to make it more understandable to people. So really, for me, it is, you know, something just that we naturally do. You know, I'm going to sort of James Bray, for example, you know, this focused attention upon this dominant, you know, idea that, you know, by then using suggestions, we can evoke these ideas and thoughts that, you know, leads to these responses sort of almost happening automatically. But, you know, actually the fact that we're using normal psychological processes rather than some strange, you know, mystical element or, you know, um, going to this sort of, I know it's a, a bit of a, a hot a hot coal, but, you know, the, the idea of this subconscious mind never really sat well with me. Um, Somebody um, who I studied with once said, if the subconscious mind is always doing what, you know, what it, it thinks is good for us, why isn't it not doing it already? So um, that kind of struck struck a chord with me. And so, mm. um, you know, I am, my dad's a, a scientist, so, you know, I'm, I'm quite, you know, I've been brought up to be quite practical and straightforward, and that's how I like things, a lot of structure. So, you know, explaining it that, you know, it's just normal psychological processes that we use every day. And, you know, it's something we do, not something that is done to us. Um, yeah. Which beautifully takes out that element of control because I think that's something that a lot of my, you know, my clients do mention is this idea of being out of control. But when you tell them that actually they're doing it, you kind of take that away immediately. So, um, but, you know, having this sort of set of attitudes and behaviours, you know, that facilitate these hypnotic responses is just so much so it makes so much more sense to me than actually this idea of maybe going into the subconscious mind and fiddling and you know um, poking around and, and finding things um you know it doesn't sit well with me i'm very much a what's happening now where would you like to be okay how can we get you there yeah so, um, yeah yeah um um I like that. Of course, I'm going to like that. Um, 
so tell us a little bit about about some of your influences um some of the books authors that have ta taught you the most and 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 you know what's been most influential upon you and perhaps some of the reasons why with regards to where you're at with hypnosis and hypnotherapy i mean uh, for anyone listening to this who's been to your college or knows without saying obviously you've been quite a key influence in how i think and i think because you do think along the same lines as me it's not any kind of hero worship it is just that element of you know, things being research-based and being practical and, and quite straightforward, just sits, yeah. loves, sits really well with me. Yeah. Um, and, you know, obviously doing your cognitive behavioural hypnotherapy course really actually kind of um, set that in place, really. And so the, the Donald Robertson book, for example, that's, that was used on that course, you know, I love reading that. I mean, it was quite heavy in places, but yeah. you know, it sort of provided structure and, you know, along you know, obviously being flexible as well, but you know, actually giving you structured ways of, of dealing with things. And I, I'm, like I say, I like that. It's not so much prescriptive, but actually, you know, seeing how the process works. Um, obviously, um, you know, there were lots of lots of different people. I, I tend to cherry pick, if I'm honest. I wouldn't say there's one person, obviously, because I have IBS myself. Um, some people may or may not know, but, um, you know, the works of, Peter Wall and Paulson, you know, kind of resonate with yes. me. Yes. Um, and, you know, Aston Aladdin as well, you know, I like some of, you know, his work as well. His yeah. Sort of work. So, um, nothing yeah. probably outstanding. Um, but, you know, one of the books that sort of inspired me, Gary brought me, um, after we'd watched this sequence, and I actually had said, God, I'd love to do that, bought me um, a book that they brought out, and I've got it in front of me now, and it, you know, it is a just full of colour and brightness and it, it's called Your Life Really Fantastic Too and it is all about positivity and whether it would necessarily sit well with me now I, I don't know but um, I would probably need to read it again but I just remember you know that was probably the thing that first set me on my journey yeah um, you know and also Gary as well because we sort of both had a bit of an epiphany and thought God, we, we don't like what we're doing um, Gary was working in, you know, in a warehouse at the time. I was doing the cost drafting, and, and we both sort of thought, you know, what well, we need to do something else. So Gary had always wanted to be a personal trainer, so he did that. And he really encouraged me to 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 do my studies as well. So um, so that book sort of is is one book I really like. Um, I've already mentioned, you know, Donald Robertson's book, The Practice of Cognitive Behavioural Hypnotherapy. You know, as I'm speaking, I'm thinking I must read that again. You know. Yeah, yeah, and and it, even though earlier on you made reference to it being a bit heavy, I think as you begin to become more familiar with some of the content, it gets it gets a bit easier. Yeah. Um, um, you know, the, the the more you read it, the more you familiarise yourself with with some of the terms. I think if you're completely new to cognitive behavioural hyp hypnotherapy, it would be, it you know, it it, 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 it absolutely would be a bit heavy. And I, I've got to say, I love the fact that um and i think this is the first time the speakmans have been referenced on this show so um i love the fact that that they're there because yeah um um you know um, typically i think that um, um it would be unlikely that we that, that we'd hear them them getting mentioned and so um i'm, I'm delighted about that uh, uh it's 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 funny and great at the same time <laughs> yeah i mean they're, they're fab really you know you know just do things differently yeah, but yeah. yeah same and you know and it was really really inspiring for me you know and 
and actually this set me on this journey so maybe i should i should thank them <laughs> yeah yeah you know i um I, i'm the first few times i saw them i i, I couldn't work out if they were if they were real or, mm. or if you know i thought that perhaps they were they were sort of little sort of comedy duo or something um, um and everything was a little bit tongue-in-cheek but um um yeah which perhaps shows what a what a, what a dreadful judge of character i i must have been yeah, so they studied from you know what i can tell is you know studied so many different kind of, yeah you know areas of you know psychology that you know pulling it all into place has obviously worked well for them so. yeah absolutely it has you know they, they they work with the stars so um What's, what's been one of the most impressive applications of hypnosis that you've directly witnessed, Annalise? Um, I'm kind of going from people that have come in to see me because obviously it is directly witnessed. You know, I'm sure I could go online and see lots of amazing things on there. But the two that really stick out in my mind was a, a young Polish guy. He's at uh, uh, the Technical College in town and he only ate nine different types of food. So... Um, Whilst this might not seem, you know, too horrendous to some people, it actually the impact was was massive. You know, he he if they didn't have these foods at, at college, he wouldn't have to eat lunch and would be starving. You know, they, he couldn't go out to restaurants with his family. Um, you know, he couldn't go away. You know, there are all these things, and you know, he wanted to go to university after college and then join the armed forces and these things. You know, he couldn't even go on on trips with the college. So, um, you know. Whilst it doesn't sound that massive a deal that he only ate nine different types of food, when you look at the impact, you know, it was having or potentially could have, you know, it was massive. And so, yeah. um, you know, in the second session, I had him eating bread and butter and took, he took, just took this massive bread mouthful and <laughs> he actually, actually was really mindful. It, it really actually was quite a joy to see because often we don't see the the actual results of the stuff we do. People go away and do it and then come back and tell us. So I actually had brought in this bread and butter because I already knew that's what he wanted to work on um, so for me it was a it was an absolute joy we videoed it for his mum because we knew she wouldn't you know remember it and, you know and when I actually I sort of sent him away after that and said right I want you to try these other foods and, and I emailed him about two weeks later and I heard nothing and heard nothing and I just thought oh perhaps it's all gone hideously wrong but then I got an email he'd actually been away with college you know um, on a on a course up in Wales somewhere I think and you know so he'd actually been managed to go away so that whilst I was thinking obviously worst case scenario he was actually it was actually the opposite you know he'd gone out and um, you know actually been able to go away with the college and eat different foods and try things and you know and it kind of opened up the world yeah. and then probably my second one which I love mentioning this this is quite a recent one um, a young dad that sort of came with, with really quite bad social anxiety so um he still managed he would go to work but you know he was restricted there they kept him on the site um he couldn't really even take his daughter to the playground without feeling anxious um the first thing we worked on really was going to the cinema with his girlfriend because they couldn't really even go and do things like that but what i loved about this guy was that even before so I did the desensitisation process on him and we did that in the second session. But even before that, he started to, because of the coping skills we've been dealing with and the confidence boosting to engage in the first session, he's actually already started to push himself. Um, and, you know, he actually had loads of tattoos, this guy, and he actually said, I would never be able to sit in a tattooist chair again. Um, 
because you know people with that kind of anxiety don't like to be sort of trapped anywhere so if, you know even going to the hairdressers would you know would actually you know sort of freak him out quite a bit so um you know things like that we we he was stuck and so he was i think quite upset about the tattoos as well but you know he pushed himself and um you know he ended up going to Bournemouth Beach on like one of the busiest days of the year went to Peppa Pig World with all his daughter and her friends and that would have been a no-no but you know he was you know when he actually came back to his last session he was being sent off site at work um he'd had another tattoo he was comfortable having his hair you know sitting in the garbage chair having his hair cut and brilliant and, you know, and actually going to the gym as well first thing in the morning which you know obviously helps in different ways but you know people who you know a lot of people don't like going to the gym at the best of the time so no. you know this was just nice just making changes you know that for him you know that the, the impact on his family and his daughter and his girlfriend you know was was big you know the next the next step is a holiday abroad apparently so <laughs> I brilliant brilliant um um I, I i love hearing that stuff and and get carried away hearing it now if you could go back to when you started out Annalise, you know, when you started out as a hypnotherapist, knowing the stuff you know now, is there anything you'd do differently? If so, what? And is there a, any advice the person that you are today would give to that younger you? Um, and would you extend that advice to our listeners? Um, yeah, I mean, a lot of, I think you've learned a lot when you do this. Um, yeah. I think it's quite important that you surround yourself with positive and supportive people. Um, I did have a friend who actually a trained as a hypnotherapist in the South, but was very um, negative about the, the ability to be able to actually in, earn a full-time living out of it. Yeah. And as lovely as this guy was, you know, it, it became quite, um, you know, kind of sucked all the energy out of me sometimes. I, I managed to, to not take it on board, but I kind of knew that, that that wouldn't be where he would end up because he just didn't kind of have it in him. And, and I was determined from the moment I, you know, I started out full time that, that I was going to make it a full time occupation. And, you know, and, and whether that's bringing in other elements, you know, not just doing the one to one stuff, but bringing in other other sort of courses and things as well. But, you know, or recordings, you know, whatever. Um, but I was really determined. And so I think, you know, him versus Gary, who's been super supportive, you know, if I've ever had a down moment, it's always picked me up and, you know, um, you know, got me back on track. But I think I never doubted that it was going to work because, you know, as far as I was concerned, it, it was going to. So, yeah, um, I, I think I, I think a lot of people can learn from that attitude. It really does really impact on you people. I mean, I have a friend, um, Matt, who who's in the works in the building that I'm in now and he's super sort of um, a bit of a go-getter quite young bit of an entrepreneur but that kind of energy does transfer over and actually you know you you draw on that as well and so surrounding yourself with with those supportive you know energetic kind of people really really does help um, yeah. and also I think I would if I knew what I knew now I would take the leap more quickly to go full-time um, when I first qualified we um, Gary and I lived in a, a lovely detached house in the village, and um, but Gary ended up being self-employed, um, you know, so that did put a little bit of strain financially. And then um, I actually had a flat that I rented out, and, and when they moved out, I just jokingly said, you know, I don't even yeah. need that to start rent a house out because it kind of got to be a bit of a millstone. 
So that's what we did. And, you know, people still say, oh, you're so brave doing that. And blah, blah, blah. But one, it, it, was a, it was a bit of a no-brainer, really. You know, it freed up a lot of money. Um, you know, it, it helped us get where we are. And if I, basically, if we hadn't moved, I wouldn't have been able to go full-time. So it's as simple as that. When I did eventually um, give my notice in my last job, I actually think I only had about £2,000 savings. I didn't really have a lot. Um, but I just, it has come to the point where I just had to, to, to make that leap. And um, I think, you know, there have been times before that when I've had a lot more savings than that. And uh, I think that at those points, I, I wouldn't have made that jump. Yeah. Um, but I think that, you know, if you're going to do something, it sounds like I'm being quite negative, but you will have to make sacrifices because you're, I'm sure people's incomes will drop. But you know what? You know, it does make you realise that you don't need half of that stuff you're buying. Um, yeah. You, you actually can survive on a lot less than, than you you know you think you need to um but you know plus plus I, plus you, you're doing it you know you're doing what you set out to do you're you're you know you're 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 leading your own life on your own terms doing something you want to do and earning your entire living from your own from your own enterprise and I love it. I wouldn't change it. I mean, they will say that if you work for yourself, you're kind of ruined to be employed by somebody else. I think I probably am. Um, but you know, it, it, you know, you get out what you put in, and I think that goes to say with a lot of things. Um, you know, the more effort you put in, the, the, the better the benefit. You know. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't. I think one of my key things I would advise anybody is don't procrastinate. You know, there were so many little projects that I've got underway that are sort of sort of on hold because I'm sort of procrastinating about things or haven't pushed myself and you know and I think you know really you've just got to go for it and you know have the confidence that everything will work out and it might not go right the first time you might have to change things a little bit around but you know I think you know anything you know whether it's networking starting a business starting a project you know, just don't be afraid to kind of put yourself out there just go for it really yeah um, yeah i think the last thing that i really sticks with me but sometimes when i go to sort of networking and i know there's another hypnotherapist there i'm like Ooh, another hypnotherapist but i you know I actually think you know now you know don't compare yourself to them because we're all quite different you know even you go on a hypnotherapy course you find people who are a bit more sort of um you know into more alternative therapies whereas i'm actually quite straightforward and but you know you can learn so much and i think you'll always find the hypnotherapist for you i think or, or the hypnotherapist will find the clients that are right for them and particularly since i've become more sort of um evidence-based i i've actually attracted a lot more men into my office yeah. Get the pun. Um, <laughs> but um, you know, I do see a lot of men because I think that it they can relate to it. Even it, it probably sounds like I'm being completely sexist, and you know, but I do think that to um, on some levels, you know, men are a bit more practical and don't necessarily like the more woo stuff. Um, but you know, I think that men particularly like the way that I put myself across now, um, and you know, so I think you know there are other these men probably wouldn't have gone to. Um, the likes of you know somebody who is a bit more alternative and you know is a bit more woo, I suppose. Yeah. Um, so you know, I would just say don't compare yourself to them because you know often 
you can, you know, refer to, you know, refer people on to somebody else if it's not your area or so I think it's good to keep, you know, you know, keep a good sort of relationship with other hypnotherapists and not see them as a threat. You know, there are plenty of people out there that need our help. So I think, you know, um, you know, we shouldn't feel intimidated by, by no. other you know, no, good on you. Yeah, yeah. Um, um, and speaking of which, then, um, you know, d d tell us, I, I mean, I, I think you've sort of answered, but what, what are your thoughts about evidence-based approaches to hypnotherapy? Yeah, I try and use it as much as possible. Um, it just makes more sense that, you know, you wouldn't, you know, most of the things we buy are being tested, you know, and I actually sort of how I explain things to people in here, you know, most of the things that are in my office have been designed and they've, you know, been tested and things like that. And, you know, there are a lot of things that you wouldn't, you know, buy or, or purchase if, if they've not been tested. And it just, I think, gives just a bit of a, um, a bit more kudos to to the approach, I suppose. And um, yeah, I suppose that's really, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I just kind of like the that fact that you know somebody's actually taken the time to go and look into it and, and check that it works. I mean. You know, there are going to be times when, you know, I might use something that hasn't been, you know, rigorously, you know, tested. But I think it depends sometimes on the client. Um, but generally, you know, I think the evidence-based approach is, for me, the way to go because it, it kind of validates it for me, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Brilliant. Brilliant. Now then, we're going to be speaking about hypnosize later on in today's show. Um, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. I really want to ask you a great uh, uh, loads about that. Um, um, for now, um, where can people go to learn more about your work and your approach to hypnosis? Um, well, I've got a Facebook page, a Twitter account. Um, I've got my website as well, so I'm on LinkedIn, all the usual social social media, and I've got a newsletter as well, so people can sign up to that. Um, I kind of don't necessarily go too in depth about stuff, but you know, it's uh, I like to sort of think that I can help share the spread the love about hypnosis and yeah, yeah, absolutely, and. Um, 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 we'll put links to um, 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 all of those accounts on this particular uh, uh, episode of Hypnosis Weekly website, but also um, annaliskirk.co.uk. Yeah. Great, great. We'll have a permanent um, link to those websites underneath the episode. Um, um, go have a look at those. Um, 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 in the meantime, thank you, Annalise. We'll be back with Annalise talking about hypnosize in just a few short moments. I really enjoyed that. On to this week's hypnosis in the news then. If you read my own hypnosis blog, you will have seen that the latest edition of the Eason household is our new puppy. You can go take a look at the pictures. I'll put a link at this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website because she is the cutest thing you ever saw. I assure you, I'm not exaggerating. This is cute factor 10. I also wrote about the health benefits of dog ownership. You know, there's evidence for it, you know. And earlier this year, I wrote about how dogs were being used for therapeutic purposes in hospitals and care homes in the US and the UK. And we're really offering major health benefits to those who are able to pet and spend time with these dogs. 
It would seem, however, that one particular hypnotherapist here in the UK felt that we needed to turn the tables and that dogs needed therapy too. Not just therapy, but hypnotherapy. In addition to that, you know, if I was concerned about our puppy Wilma and her behaviour, the way in which she, she is currently chewing her way through the entire Eason household furniture and, uh, you know, getting her toilet trained and everything else, apparently I no longer need to concern myself. Because this week I'm discussing just one single story that's made it into the news. The headline in the Daily Mail goes like this. Hypno Hound. Welcome to the latest daft pet trend which sees owners using a mesmerist to turn their pesky pooches into very good boys. The subheadings in the article are these. Mary Burgess charges £60 an hour for her services in hypnotising dogs. She said the process is similar to hypnotherapy in humans. Ms Burgess from Chichester said hypnotherapy can help stressed dogs. Gudrun Ravitz of the British Veterinary Association was more sceptical. And I'll add, so is podcast host Adam Eason. So apparently, owners are increasingly turning to a quick solution to help train their dogs, get them behaving, and that is hypnosis. But, but are they really? You know, is this actually an increasing trend? Is this really a thing? The article states that, and I'll quote them, wayward pets are put into a trance by the soothing tones of a dog whisperer and in their mesmerised state are said to be susceptible to commands that will tame their wild behaviour. <laughs> now, do I laugh or cry at that? So this article features on hypnotherapist Mary Burgess and she is quoted as saying in this particular article, the process is similar to hypnotherapy in humans, she said. Dogs go into a relaxed state, which makes them feel safe. So anyway, anyone uh, uh, with a moderately good education in this field knows that uh, um, you do not need relaxation um, um, or, or a relaxed state in order to be receptive to, to hypnosis. Good, solid, hard scientific evidence shows that the two are not correlated. Anyway, on to other points, because there is some small pocket of sense in the article, and that is that Gudrun Ravitz, the president of the British Veterinary Association, was more sceptical, healthily sceptical, saying that there was no robust scientific evidence for the effectiveness of hypnotherapy with dogs. Anyway, anyway, author Samantha Norman, however, found that hypnotherapy with from Mary Burgess worked on her Jack Russell Norfolk Terrier cross called Spider. And she said that her hyperactive three-year-old bitch was untrainable and she dubbed her the most badly behaved dog in West London. Now, when Ms Burgess, the hypnotherapist, uh, aged 50, according to the article, arrived at Ms Norman's home, Spider, the dog, was running in and out of the garden and was ignoring repeated orders from her owner. Then the hypnotherapy session began. Ms Burgess managed to catch Spider and gently lifted her onto the sofa beside her. And I'll quote the article. She began to play gentle music and she spent five minutes bonding with the dog using her favourite toy. Surprisingly, Spider did not jump from the sofa, but remained calm enough for Ms Burgess to begin the hypnotherapy. She began massaging the scruff of the spider's neck, um, um, of spider's neck, not the spider. Um, heck, spider hypnosis would be something else. Sorry, I'll return to the quote. Speaking gently to her and asking her, I mean, this is asking the dog to 
imagine being on a nice walk in the park with all your friends. The intention, Ms. Burgess said, was to associate calmness with a walk, a word that Spider would recognise. So I'm quite interested in in this. You know, I'm I'm giving a dog instructions to engage the imagination. Um, um you know, I, which is wonderful. You know, I I love dogs, and uh, I've been raised with dogs, and you know, I'm loving the fact that actually, um, um they have active. Uh, um, access to their imagination. I, I did not know this. Um, it's new to me. Anyway, later on in the session, she uses a soothing voice, according to the article, and she begins a countdown from 10 to 1. And um, Spider the dog, apparently, half-closed eyes, um, rolled onto her back with her paws in the air. And hypnotherapist Mary Burgess then started counting back up. Um, um, and at the count of eight, Spider jerked awake. Uh, and this process was repeated. Um, Spider later on climbed off the sofa. Um, and instead of her usual crazed run, um, apparently just wa wandered around with a leisurely stroll. And um, um, when previously the only commands that she knew were stop and no, she was now responding to sit, roll over and lie down. And uh, Miss Norman, uh, Spider's owner, said the transformation was astonishing. That afternoon, Spider was the quietest and the calmest she's ever been. Um, um, she even skipped their walk and got on with some uninterrupted work for a change. Um, so, yeah, Miss Burgess, uh, Miss Burgess from Chichester said hypnotherapy can also help with dogs who become stressed um, and, and who bark. Um, um, but um, Miss Norman admitted that by the evening, the effects had worn off and she was back to her old self. Hmm, interesting. Um, so the article ends. Um, I mean, you know, I read it a couple of times just to make sure it wasn't dated uh, April 1st. I was looking for telltale signs of a wind up too, and was looking at the back of my computer, wondering if someone had hacked into it. And I was being set up for a Darren Brown style stunt somewhere. Someone was trying to convince me uh, of dogs being hypnotized. Um, a few years ago, an episode of QI on the BBC was dedicated to hypnosis and on it they discussed some methods of hypnotising animals um, um, that you know, I'll, I'll refer to. Um, many suggested at the time that uh, uh, hypnosis experienced by animals is a physical response, much more than a psychological response. I mean, they're not responding to words as far as we know. Um, all their own imagination is prescribed by a hypnotist. Um, 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 I, I can't help thinking why use the term hypnosis if it's not working in the same way. Um, though some may think that their imaginations are being engaged as they respond in particular ways, maybe as a natural reaction to a threat or as a, or a defense mechanism, for example. All these methods and processes um, tend to render the animal in question motionless in what appears to be a trance-like or catatonic state. Um, by all accounts, you can do this with alligators. As per the film footage that I've offered up um, a link to at this episode's page on the Hypnosis Weekly website uh, from a BBC show, um, it's unlikely that any of us will get the chance to test that out on alligators and do some tummy rubbing of the alligator anyway. Um, some people might use this as a fun stage demonstration to show that they're good at hypnotising um, alligators, for example. Even animals can fall under their spell. Let's be honest, it's for entertainment purposes only. Um, in the 
in the in the film clip that I've offered up uh, on the website, you get to see some majorly tranced out chickens as well. Um, and the commentary suggests maybe it's a defense mechanism. The chicken uh, initially squawks a little bit, especially if it's not used to you, wouldn't it, though? Um, so, you know, you, you you need to be sure not to uh, induce unnecessary amounts of stress in the chicken. Uh, you'll be much better off using a hen for that demonstration, apparently, because their demeanour lends itself much better to this kind of thing than a lively cock. Um, and I managed to get that rude word on the podcast. Well done, me. So apparently you start by holding the chicken by the neck, holding its head firmly and comfortably downwards so it lies flat on a prepared surface. Then you hold the chicken still for a few seconds. It relaxes, becomes immobile and um, appears to have drifted off. Um, Do go and have a look at the footage because it's nothing short of incredible looking. Um, You can do virtually the same thing with a frog, apparently. Uh, um, You can also do exactly the same thing with rabbits to hypnotise cute bunnies. Um, and so on. Anyway, the QI program showed footage as well of lobsters being hypnotized and Stephen Fry actually did hypnotize a lobster on the show. And it looks impressive because a lobster is quite scary and formidable looking with its claws and, and its mollusk whiskers and all of that. Um, I don't know the official words for those things. So, yes, the lobster is very easily hypnotized indeed. You know, you stand it on its head, use its claws to support it and hold it in a balanced position. Um, Some people have suggested that you stroke it, but really that tends to be for effect. It just needs to be held there for a few seconds. It will happily remain there in that position, immobile, until you then place it back into its usual position. Um, um, But are any of these things actually hypnosis? You know, rendering an animal um, um, immobile, is that the same thing as hypnosis? You know, I'm having a bit of fun so far today. However you can conceptualise hypnosis, however, it's always going to require the recipient to be able to access their cognitions, to orchestrate their own imagination, to have comprehension and a self, uh, a sense of self. There needs to be responsiveness suggest- to suggestions that's, that's testable and recognisable. You know what? Whatever it is that Mary Burgess is claiming she's doing with those dogs, it is not hypnosis. It's certainly not hypnosis as conceptualised by James Braid, the founder of modern hypnosis, or pretty much any and every academic in the world today, um, alive or or or, or no, no longer with us. And you know, but here's the thing: I'm ha- you know I've been having a little bit of fun with this today, um, and I've done my best to be light-hearted about it. But do we really, as a field, do we really need people claiming to be able to hypnotise dogs? Do we really need to suggest that what's being done here is hypnotherapy? You know, the same stuff that we are doing with our clients. Is it the same? I don't think so. I mean, you know, the fun and gimmicky hypnotising dog on Britain's Got Talent had some tongue in cheek. But here with Hypno for Dogs, um, um, in this particular instance, it's getting treated seriously by those that are offering it. Whether it's really benefiting the dogs, I have no idea. That's not what I'm contending. Whatever is being suggested, it's not hypnosis. It's not hypnotherapy. It shouldn't be called as much. Links to this particular media story and some of the other references are listed under this week's podcast entry on www.hypnosis-weekly.com. 
Next up, we have this week's professional discussion. I welcome back Annalise Kirk in Basingstoke. Um, I'm here in the UK. Annalise and her partner Gary, a PT, uh, run a busy and popular class called Hypnosize. And I've heard so many wonderful reports about it that I just wanted to get Annalise on the show to talk about it. So that's what we discuss here. Here is this week's professional discussion with Annalise Kirk. Enjoy and woof. I'm rejoined uh, by Annalise Kirk, this week's guest here on the podcast. And um, one of the things I was really keen to ask Annalise about when I approached her and asked her if she wanted to come and uh, be my guest is uh, I wanted to ask her about this thing hypnotize that I see her mentioning that I see is gathering some momentum in the area where she's based and um, other people were talking to me about it and I thought I've got to go find find out some more and the more I found out the more I thought great I'm going to get her on the show because I want to hear you know I I think I think other hypnotherapists want to hear about this it's really interesting um Annalise welcome back first of all um um Hypnosize. What, what is it? Just, just give us an overview and an explanation of what it actually is. First of all, so what it is really is a combination of uh, exercise class, so personal training, combined with, with uh, hypnotic techniques. Uh, the aim of this particular course that we do is for fat loss. So, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, so first up, uh, you know, t- tell us a little bit. Um, tell us a little about about the background. You know, how did it how did it come to be? You know, how did this happen? Well, uh, for those out there who don't know, my other half is a personal trainer, and you know, we'd often be chatting, and we, you know, he would be asking how he could motivate his clients, and I'd be asking him, um, you know, about food and nutrition and exercise, you know. Cause Someone might have somebody who came in who had a particular, uh, you know, condition, you know, health condition that might impact on their exercise. So we would be having these conversations all the time. And um, initially, we actually did it on a, you know, provided this on on a, this combination on a one to one. So we would have, say, I don't know, eight hypnotherapy sessions and four personal training sessions, one to one. But you know, we'd actually help people along their way because. You know, like I said, I can't provide, you know, advice really on nutrition or um, exercise. And likewise, you know, Gary doesn't know hypnosis. So mm. it seems a natural progression. And, and people often say to us, even now, who, who you know, don't know about exercise, you know, you two could work together. And we're, you know, <laughs> yeah. We all do. Um, however, you know, we just it just was a lovely combination. And But, you know, I think because obviously, you know, we made sacrifices and there's been times where we've not had a, a massive amount of money ourselves and you know we realized that you know, not everyone can afford this one-to-one stuff so we thought well why don't we try and you know design a package that is more affordable to people so they're going to get the benefits obviously it's a bit more generic it's not fully focused on that one person but actually you know combining this idea of actually having exercise and um following it up with a hypnosis session and other techniques that you know along the way that will will help them achieve what they want to achieve so um awesome 
Awesome. So, you know, I, I'm really intrigued. You know, how does it happen? I mean, what actually happens at a hypnotized class? Like, like I'm, I'm really interested to know what order it goes in. I kind of think it's a bit like progressive relaxation where you tense the muscle group first but then you relax it. Um, so Gary kind of does an exercise class first, so that'll be about 45 minutes. Then it could be a, a high intensity interval training session, a boot camp, circuit training. Um, we try and tie it in with what I do if, if necessary. Um, but he'll do that for about 45 minutes and then after that I will um, have sort of like a, a bit of a chat about whatever the issue is that week that we're discussing. So one week it might be discussing, uh, it might be focused on motivation. Another week it might be about, um, you know, setting smart goals, um, actually, you know, taking control, using visualization techniques, whatever it is, we, you know, have about a quarter of an hour, maybe so discussion about whatever the topic is for that week. And then I will deliver a group hypnosis session um, based on that. Cool, so, cool. You know, Along the way, you know, it's not just about you know them exercising and then relaxing and being zapped and it's, it's hunky dory. You know, it's quite interactive as well. We have Facebook page, you know, private one for the group. We don't have the groups very big. We like them to be quite small because for us, it's about being you know a support group. So everyone's in the same boat. You know, yeah. You know, we all discuss things together and you know a bit of a community really. Um, we like it to be fun as well. I mean, we do spend a lot of time winding Gary up because you can, um, <laughs> but uh, bless him. But, you know, but it is fun, and you know, that's another thing I think. You know, people often, you know, have a negative view of exercise. I mean, one of our very, very first clients on hypnotize a few years ago now, um, she actually sort of referred to the hypnotherapy part as the carrot because she hated the exercise. And, uh, <laughs> Thing that she loved for hypnotherapy, so it was her motivation to actually go and do it. But you know, we do all sorts of things. I teach them self hypnosis and different techniques, and we discuss, you know, things like self belief and you know, motivation, um, how our negative thinking impacts, and you know, so lots of different sort of stuff. It's, it's not just sort of you know, an exercise class and a hypnosis. Um, and you know, Gary provides lots of information about nutrition and meal plans and, and you know workouts you can do at home you know there's you know we actually, i think it's pretty good value for money yeah yeah, yeah. Um, and and you give them psychological tools that they can use at home yeah definitely i mean it's funny because we actually i just talked spoke about visualization the other week and one of our i said to the next week did you know anyone try these and you know it's a bit of a frosty silence because obviously none of them had and then one lady said well i did i did imagine eating a double chop chip cookie and then <laughs> yeah, and then you ate it afterwards. But she didn't actually. And, and what I loved about this is that she, you know, she fancied one. Knew she went and bought some from the shop. It would be a packet of five. So, you know, she uh, she didn't really want to be doing that because she'd probably eat the whole packet of five. So she actually managed to, you know, she, you know, use some self hypnosis and actually use some mental imagery um, technique to to actually imagine eating it. And that is a research. You know, I, I've, you know, that's something I've come across in research is that if you you know, imagine eating a food before you actually do, you, get, you tend to eat less of it afterwards. So, um, so yeah, she was, I said, you probably enjoy that more than the actual, you know, the real one, because you're probably really mindful about it. You know, when you eat something normally, you kind of just tend to stuff it in your mouth and then, you know, 
you don't necessarily sit there and be mindful about it and notice each of the chocolate chips and I'm sorry I'm just drowning on my own saliva here now but you know um <laughs> you know it's made my mouth water but you know it's yeah you know, in that it was really lovely it was nice to know that you know you know she was actually employing you know techniques and it's like anything else you know people have got to put the effort in um you know we, we've had people on the course before who just liked the exercise and relaxation element of it um yeah. you know we're really kind of moving towards people who you know seriously want to lose weight and are going to really throw themselves into it you know? yeah uh, yeah and we love doing it you know we had a little break, a break over the summer and you know, when we came back, we realised just how much we'd missed it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But, you, you know, a lot of people, I think, a lot of people do do have issues with, um, do have a whole bunch of issues with, with going to gyms sometimes and with and with with getting themselves engaged in a in a good plan. And I think it makes absolute sense to be able to combine psychological tools with it you know um, um the, the, the gym that that i go to currently for example sends out uh, a number of emails about certain attitudes and things like that and and i think to myself this is great stuff it's quite rare it's great stuff but you know i, I could do it even better i could give even better advice you know given half a chance um so you know i i, I love to hear that and i love to hear what you're doing um what are the kind of what what kind of results you've been getting? What are the sort of what sort of feedback have you been getting from the people involved? Yeah, I mean, everybody really loves the classes. I mean, you know, that's one of the things that's quite nice, you know. And people and, the, and the, 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 they're loyal to it. They've they've cracked yeah, yeah. on with it. Well, originally when we sort of rebooted it, because we did it a few years, quite a few years ago now, and then we kind of neglected it a little bit, and uh, we we sort of resurrected it for for want of a better word, but um, yeah. when we started last year, we did one um, part of it, it's because it's an eight-week course, so it's four weeks before Christmas, four weeks after, so it would be, you know, the aim to help people up to Christmas over the period and into the new year, um, and we started another class on a different day that started in January, and we were just actually going to run them sporadically throughout the year, but in both of the classes, uh, both people were saying, well, what happens after the eight weeks, and they basically asked us to carry on so we did yeah um, you know and it, it was so, really so, good i think the best probably the best fat loss result was six and a half percent you know and that person wasn't i wouldn't say they were overly you know they weren't rigidly sticking to everything that we did um you know that they they obviously put the work in but you know i think six and a half percent is pretty nice brilliant um, i mean it's, we, we tend not to focus on weight as much although we call it a fat loss really but you know not focusing so much on weight because obviously they do stuff you know they build up muscle mass which is heavier than fat so um you know but i never forget on one of the first sessions you know this lady who one of the larger ladies um she actually after said you know what i didn't think i could exercise and that always stays with me and she's still one of our our girls she's a slow burner you know she's doing it slowly and surely and she's having you know, getting really good results and really, you know, physically I can see the change. I don't see it when I see her every week at the class, but I see her networking. And when I see her in her city clothes, that's when I'm, I kind of really notice the, the change in her. Brilliant. Um, in confidence and stuff as well, I think that's um, a lot of it. And, you know, going back to what you said about people not wanting to go into the gyms, that it is key. You know, people don't like going to the gyms. It's why Gary does a lot of his 
has to train in people's homes because people don't like the gym environment. And the same as us, we, we want it to be a nurturing place and not somewhere where people are going to, you know, necessarily feel self-conscious about themselves. Um, you know, we, like I say, we try and make it fun, but equally, you know, give lots of content, give lots of, you know, um, you know, lots of tips and skills, and like I said, they've got, you know, workouts they can do at home, so, you know, it's, it's nice, it's nice to see the progression, for me, I can, you know, I see the progression with the, the exercise, you know, someone who couldn't do a plank at the beginning is planking it, you know, to death at the end of it, you know, and, and just little ways that people, you know, um, you know, just these little, little steps, these little steps that, that are massive to them, because they never yeah. thought they could do it, so... Yeah, um, you know, it's a joy. It is an absolute joy to to, to do hit I love I love hearing that. You know, I'm, I'm I love hearing from people. Um, um, you know what? I, I I like the fact that you're sober about everything that you're doing, but quite clearly derive so much enjoyment and 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 love for what you are doing, which makes me very happy. Now. Any of our listeners want to go and learn more about hypnosize, um, um, wh wh where can they go? Well, we, we do have a website, so that's hypnosize.co.uk. Uh, we have a Twitter account, which I cannot remember the name of at the moment, because I think it might have our names on it. Um, but, you know, I, if anybody ever wants to, you know, email me, I'm more than happy to, to chew the cud with anybody, you know, if they want to, uh, to have a chat about it, because I love talking about it. So, um, you know, it's, uh, it's, yeah. you know, I'm more than happy to have a chat with people about it. So. Well, we'll dig out, we'll, I'll dig out the Twitter account um, um, and I'll add it to this page for Hypnosize and add it to this page and there'll be a link to the Hypnosize website as well. Um, um, and I think you even have some plans in the future to, to, to potentially share it and and teach teach other people the program i'd be correct in saying that would i yeah yeah i've just looked up the twitter by the way it's at hypnosize at <laughs> hypnosize yeah um so with a capital h so but yeah i mean the idea is that you know we you know we've had interest already from people who want to kind of have a license for this so that's really what we're working on at the moment is actually putting all of that stuff together so that you know other people can deliver this because i do think it is quite unique in, in its approach and the fact that it combines, you know, psychological and physical techniques together and, and marries them together quite nicely. And I think, you know, it, you know, it's, it's just something, it's something different. You know, we'd like it to be like Zumba or something where, you know, people all over the country will be able to deliver it. Because I think it will, you know, I think just the exercise and the, the hypnosis session in themselves have an impact, regardless of whether, um, people lose weight or not, you know, it's time out, it's, you know, people feel they're nurturing themselves and, um, you know, it's their time and that's often what, you know, this is their one bit of the week when they actually devote a bit of time to themselves and the fact that they choose to spend it with us is, is really rather lovely, so. Um, yeah, 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 I get that. Um, I, I really feel that with regards to our discussions um, here today as well. Um, brilliant. Brilliant. Annalise, thank you ever so much for coming and being the guest and um, sharing a little bit of uh, what it is that you do. 
Um, there'll be links to, to, to all of the different um, bits and pieces that we've spoken about in today's interview and our discussion about Hypnotise. And all that remains is for me to say, Annalise Kirk, thank you very much for coming and being on Hypnosis Weekly. Thank you, Adam. It was a pleasure talking to you. I really enjoyed that. Good luck with the Hypnosize Project Annalise. So on to this week's evidence-based hypnosis factoid of the week. And it's this. Self-hypnosis training can improve immune function, mood and health during exam time. So in a study entitled Self-Hypnosis and Exam Stress, Comparing Immune and Relaxation-Related Imagery for Influences on Immunity, Health and Mood. Back in 2001 by Grusillier and colleagues in the Contemporary Hypnosis Journal, stated and showed and demonstrated that the effects of self-hypnosis training on immune function, mood and health at exam time in medical schools um, um, when they compared instructions of enhanced immune function with relaxation, for example, um, 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 and, and with instructions of increased energy, alertness, concentration, um, um, that actually self-hypnosis boosted all of the things they were that they were looking for. The training consisted of three weekly group sessions with unrestricted home practice using um, um, an audio. Um, the immune uh, responses that were being examined were uh, or a number of different lymphocytes, a number of um, NK, uh, natural killer cells and blood cortisol. Students that were receiving the immune-related imagery reported fewer viral illnesses such as colds and uh, flu during the exam period. Immune-related imagery was also more successful than relaxation imagery um, um, within, within those that, that received the, the, the self-hypnosis. Um, and it buffered the decline in total lymphocytes and, and its subsets. And these findings demonstrated for pretty much the first time that there are benefits for reported illness as a as a result of psychological intervention shown to strengthen the immune system and improve well-being, which is awesome. The benefits of self-hypnosis um, within this study really do encourage some investment in large-scale illness prevention studies and controlled clinical applications, you know, if only there were more of it. Um, full study details can be found over at this episode's page of the Hypnosis Weekly website. So that is it for this week's 58th edition. I do have many more exciting guests that are welcome to Hypnosis Weekly in coming weeks too. We'll be discussing, uh, debating, celebrating and above all remaining friends. We'll be back uh, next week. Um, um, all the references made in the discussions along with related links are posted at each episode of the Hypnosis Weekly website www.hypnosis-weekly.com. My guest next time out is hypnotherapist and creator of the Hypnotherapy for Schools program, Caroline Dyson. I absolutely welcome your thoughts, comments, suggestions and questions unless they are about hypnosis for dogs. So do please message me or add them on the Hypnosis Weekly website and I'll make sure they are addressed, answered and explored accordingly. Please do share this podcast on Facebook, Twitter and anywhere else. It really helps us reach the hypnosis field. My thanks again goes to Annalise Kirk. My thanks to you as always for tuning in. My name is Adam Eason. This has been Hypnosis Weekly. Until next time, goodbye for now. Mm-hmm.